it's the criterion. It's the criterion. 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 In. 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 Hey everyone, welcome to the Criterion Project podcast, the podcast where we talk about the movies that are available to stream on the Criterion channel. I am Conrado Falco and I'm here with the wonderful Rachel Wagner. Hi! Hello Rachel. Today we are talking about Nosferatu the Vampire, directed by the great Werner Herzog. Rachel, have you seen about 2,000 white rats? Because I have them in my apartment and I think I have lost them and they're roaming around the city somewhere. Like it was very ironic that we were reviewing this movie because I had just this week had a mouse in my house, in my room, actually in my bedroom. And I I hate mice. Like the that I like them in movies. <laughs> I like Mickey Mouse. I do not like regular mouse. And it was so gross. And I had to have the Orkin guy come and we put traps and then I ended up catching it. And it was a it was a uh, <laughs> it was a tense moment. <laughs> a tense couple of days, let's just say that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um seems like a fitting start to the spooky month of October, <laughs> yeah, it really which was. is, yeah, which is kind of why we're doing a, a horror-themed movie this week. And mm-hmm. also, um, we should probably announce that Criterion Project is going to be releasing two episodes a month starting in October. Is that right, Rachel? Yeah, we're going to do our best uh, to, mm-hmm. to do that. I, we'll December is yeah. going to be really hard, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best to do, to do that. Yeah, we're going to make it work somehow. <laughs> uh, we'll figure yeah. it out later. Um, but yeah, but right now, um, before we go into Nosferatu and all the spooky vampire stuff, why don't we talk a little bit about what we've been watching on the Criterion Channel other than mm. Nosferatu? Yes. So what has really been exciting me, and I looked. I, I think next time I'll have a couple more of these to talk about is they are having a British Hitchcock uh, series month, whatever you want to call it. And they have a ton of his early films on there and it's perfect for Halloween. And so I watched the 39 steps mm-hmm. and from, uh, 1935 and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a super fun uh, little thriller. Little, uh, it's a uh, a man uh, in kind of inadvertently uh, gets caught up in this uh, spy uh, spy conspiracy uh, web, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it was really fun. It had a lot of chases and and uh and uh you know there's the bad guys were after him and there's uh, uh i thought he had pretty good chemistry with uh the leading la- lady i had the guy was uh robert donut was very charismatic and i i really enjoyed it i thought it was a, a fun little movie 
All right, British Hitchcock, sounds great. Mm -hmm. um, I have not seen The 39 Steps, but I have seen a play called The 39 Steps, which is a version of the movie, I think, that is meant to be a parody of Hitchcock mm -hmm. movies. And it's very, very funny. If you ever hear about, to anyone who's listening, and to you, Rachel, of a production of The 39 Steps going to your city or town, mm -hmm. um, I would recommend seeing it because it's a hilarious it's a one-man uh, show, right? It's not. It's a play. The one I saw is a play. There's uh, four characters, four actors, sorry, and they, mm. and some of them a cycle. There's one guy who plays the, who I assume is the lead role of the movie, and then mm. one actress and two other actors who play every other character. So I oh, think okay. that's kind I, of the. I yeah. I have seen that. Uh, it's it's been a couple of years, but but yeah, that is a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. I saw it a while ago too. It's a very funny play, I thought. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I'm curious to see the movie because it's probably, you know, a, a non-comedic version of that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it does have some some funny parts, but but mostly it's it's a thriller. It's very similar to uh, North by Northwest. Oh, okay. You know, where the the innocent man just kind of stumbles into the right. uh, into the, yeah. So uh, that's that's how I would compare it to and uh yeah i it's not really it's not scary it's just a uh it's just mm -hmm. a innocent man on the run kind of thriller great uh, so that's yeah great. i remember uh, in that play the there's a scene where he uh he just he, he does this whole monologue where he's putting on different hats and each hat mm -hmm. is a different character yeah, yeah, that's right. So he has this like conference. That's why I was thinking it was a one man play, but uh, yeah, he's having conversations yeah. with himself. Yeah, right, because yeah. they're playing all the same character. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a very funny play. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Um, I also have a recommendation on the channel. They have a, uh, I guess one of their what you said series or I guess collections that they've put up is called directed by christian petzl who since we're talking about a german director today um he uh, christian petzl is one of uh i think my favorite german directors working right now and mm. um, i haven't seen all of his movies yet but one that i've seen that's now available on criterion channel and that i think it's great it's probably one of the best movies i saw it's like best of the decade material when you know the year ends and we're all making that sort of those sorts of lists um this one's going to be a real contender for me and it's called phoenix um oh that sounds familiar I feel yeah like I that. um i think it got it got really good reviews and a, a bunch of people talked about it when it came out of uh a couple of years ago now i think 2015 or 14 um and it's basically the story that takes place after World War II and this um, Jewish woman played by Nina Haas, who is incredible in the movie. Um, she has been, she's been in a concentration camp and was disfigured. So she had to have reconstructive surgery, <clears throat> excuse me. And when she comes out of the camp and goes back to her life after the war, um, she goes looking for her husband and because of the of the surgery, he does not recognize her. And he thinks that she is a stranger who just kind of looks like his wife, but not really. And um, and she decides to just go with it since he didn't recognize her. And he tries to get her into some sort of 
scheme. Um, it's a really, really cool movie. It has a lot of film noir elements to it, a little bit of Hitchcock too. And um, I don't want to spoil too much of where it goes because it's a really mm. exciting movie. And it has one of the best endings of a movie that I have ever seen. It is, mm. yeah, it is. it really like knocked my socks off when I first saw it. So I really recommend it to you and to anyone else who hasn't seen it. It's an incredible movie cool yeah that sounds really good i'll have to check that out all right um yeah so why don't we get into nosferatu um would you like to introduce introduce us to what uh, this movie is rachel sure yeah so this film is uh is based on the uh the classic Vamp, uh, vampire story of, of uh, Dracula uh, by Bram Stoker and uh, and also the 1922 silent film and uh, it's about a man named Jonathan Harker who is basically kind of tricked into going to Transylvania to uh, to offer to try to sell this property to count dracula the mysterious count dracula and he's married to this woman named lucy uh who is kind of the the perfect wo- perfect woman perfect wife perfect and uh he, and the it's basically about his experience with this vampire nosferatu and uh and I don't know what happens as uh, this evil uh, kind of gets unleashed uh, into the into the world. And like you said, there's lots of rats and lots of <laughs> lots of death. And uh, yeah, it's it's that class. It's a classic story. Yeah, um, it is. I guess a bit of a uh, it's a little strange describing what the movie is and its origins, yeah. just because it's. Uh, it's a remake of the 1922 silent movie called Nosferatu by um, F.W. Murnau, which in turn was an adaptation of Dracula, only it was an unofficial adaptation. So they had mm-hmm. to change all the names and they had to change the name of Dracula to, uh, in that movie it's called Count Orlock and they gave the title Nosferatu, which means like, I guess it means undead or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then I think they were actually sued by the yeah. Bram Stoker estate, right, for infringing on their copyright because they were yeah. like, "This is clearly Dracula." You just changed all the names. Yeah. Um, so that was a yeah, a, and I think a bunch of the copies were destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, as part of the uh, settlement or whatever, and uh, and so, but there still remained, I guess, uh, still yeah. remained uh, some of the copies. So, but. Yeah, so- uh, yeah save it um so yeah so Werner Herzog wants to make a um um a remake of the movie that by one of his heroes Murnau but then uh, of course by by the 1970s the copyright of Dracula was already in the public domain so he was able to use the the actual original names yeah in the movie and I I really like the novel of Dracula I think it's it's so it's this is this is a little bit where my maybe my podcasting abilities will fail me a little bit because I find it difficult to explain why I like it. I just do. 
I don't know. I think that uh, it's got such great atmosphere and I really like the characters and I just think it's creepy in the most like fun kind of way. Something's creepy and uh, you're talking about the book, right? The book and the, I just like the story of Dracula. It's a really fun, interesting creepy atmospheric story and so when whether it's the silent movie or whether it's this uh i just think i just think it's a good story hmm. i i have actually never read the book i actually have kind of a funny story about it i guess um which is my my only encounter with the actual dracula novel was one time um my uh, I guess I have to preface by saying I went to a German school for high school. So I learned mm. German there. So I had German class, which was basically like the equivalent to like an English class in, in America, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, my German teacher one day, I think she just like forgot that we had class. So she didn't like plan anything. So she just came with a copy of Dracula and she says, today I'm going to read a bit of Dracula to you. She just started reading for the whole period. And then, at the end, she was like, okay, that was nice, wasn't it? Like, just like to have someone read to you <laughs> for once. And then that was it. Um, so I thought that was That's kind funny. of funny. We always yeah. suspected she didn't plan this. She just didn't know what to do. And so she just <laughs> grabbed the book off the shelf and read to us. That is um, funny. <laughs> yeah, but that is my only uh, encounter with the novel. So I don't really know um, how faithful this adaptation is to the novel. Do, do you know? Are you more familiar with that? Too? Yeah, it's very faithful. Uh, there's there's a couple characters that are in the novel that aren't in this, but uh, but for the most part, it's it's pretty faithful. It, and uh, it, the only I guess the only major difference I would say is that in the in the novel, the Lucy is basically kind of she's basically treated as almost like a, a madonna-esque like in the sense of like the sense of the old sense of the word um kind of kind of character like she is like worshipped basically by everybody in the mm -hmm. as this sort of perfect woman and they do some of that here but but she's really put on a pedestal by everybody uh and as a uh, as somebody to be basically almost worshipped so just the, mm -hmm. the perfect woman the ideal woman uh and uh so i that's that's toned down a little bit i think in this but it's uh but I yeah mean, it's pretty close yeah it's it, it's interesting because in this movie uh, lucy is kind ends up being kind of the character who the only one who believes and knows that it's dracula that it's causing all this mayhem and this chaos in the city right mm -hmm. uh and everyone else kind of uh, does you know the doctors and the scientists are like well I don't know what you're talking about I don't really believe her until the end when she is the one who takes matters in her own hands really right mm -hmm. um, so I think that's interesting compared with this sort of like passive um, what you're talking about like virgin like uh, yeah yeah um, sort of worship of her and presentation in the novel um, yeah so why don't we talk a little bit of what we thought of the movie as a whole what did you think I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun and creepy and and uh uh I I liked I liked the cinematography. I liked the the atmosphere that they get and uh I, I yeah, I thought it was really good. All right. All right. 
I have to say I maybe am a little uh, different from you in some uh, fundamental levels just because um, I enjoy the movie quite a bit uh, in certain parts. I don't think it's my favorite uh, Herzog movie or one of the, the better ones from him, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, and I think it has to do because I don't think I really respond to the Dracula story, which I think it's funny since you were just saying the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. That that you do respond to that story and almost regardless of the package. So I think that's maybe something interesting to talk about. I'll try to figure out what it is about the story that mm-hmm. um, fascinates you and kind of... Uh, leaves me a little cold i don't know i i just like i think it's fun to be uh fun to watch sort of a a creepy uh atmospheric uh vampire stories i just Hmm. think it's kind of fun yeah what did you think talking about creepy what did you think of uh klaus kinski who plays nosferatu (laughs) and the the performance of prince dracula i think he well he's like famously a sort of crazy intense kind of actor and he is definitely not like um he's not going for subtlety i guess when he plays this vampire Mm -hmm. Um, to begin with he has this like crazy makeup and these fangs and um you know he's pale white and totally bald and and he moves like he's i don't know um yeah it's very i mean it's very iconic uh the and you know so much of the 1922 uh look uh and uh i thought that uh he was he was was very very good i thought yeah i think i think he it's that sometimes it's over the top that i think one of the things about this movie and about Werner herzog in the uh 70s that i um that i find very interesting is that um he has this sort of way of, of presenting things in which I think sometimes it looks, it things are funny and I don't know if, if they're supposed to be funny, but I kind of feel like it's not that they're like, um, I know that I'm making fun of the movie, right? But it's more so that things are just like so extreme sometimes that I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, all the rats and the way that the, the dracula moves and comes to him when he's gonna like you know try to when he sees like the drop of blood in jonathan's hand and he comes up to him and he's like oh let me clean that for you the oldest remedy in the book or whatever and he starts like sucking his blood and whatever um i don't know there's some i i thought for me the most um exciting thing about the movie was sort of like this totally going for it performance and and totally weird and like you know weirdo creepy vampire Mm -hmm. performance in the middle of it well yeah and i guess i like sort of old school uh monster monster movie like the old school universal monster movies like Mm -hmm. frankenstein and the invisible man and and uh stuff like that i think are it's just fun those scary tropes that that uh that you know gets all creepy and because now they make it they do something like that and it's always uh just full of i don't know full of profanity and full of uh it's too like it's it's not violence done in uh 
like a campy way it's not violence done in a in a fun way to me uh, a lot of times it's it's too uh it's it gets kind of mean-spirited to me and it's not just like a i i I hate the i hate using the word fun but i i'm struggling to find another word to describe what i'm saying what i'm feeling uh but i don't know i just feel like these kind of genre pictures are, are are hard to find that i walk away being like oh that was a good time i just really enjoyed that i liked the creepiness i liked the uh and they get too too so maybe too realistic i actually like the fact that it's it's kind of uh just trying to tell a uh, kind of a classic genre film if that makes does that make sense mm-hmm. you know yeah i think i think so um would you say this was a fun watch for you because i mm-hmm. I thought it, it was kind of slow and I, I was wondering about that, about what people might think about that. Mm. What do you have to say? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, and uh, yeah, I didn't find it too slow uh, for me, uh, but uh, you know, it's definitely, there's not like a ton of plots. I can, I can see that. Like uh, Reinfeld, Reinfeld. Uh, <laughs> It was a little strange, um, Reinfeld. Um, I I didn't know if that was actually his laugh or it was like it. At sometimes it seemed like it was like a ADR laugh sort of thing that they had put in post production. I don't know why. It was just so eerie and and yeah. different, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you have like a strong opinion about him? I I thought that he was all part of sort of that creepy, the atmosphere, you know, part of the it's sort of uncomfortable it's sort of uh you know the like the crazy laugh like it's also kind of a uh thing and and uh so yeah i i enjoyed it i uh, the only thing i struggled with was just the rats or so mm. i i wished that i do wish that criterion channel had a better fast forward <laughs> because uh if you try to skip ahead it at least for me when i'm watching it kind of crashes it doesn't let you do that so i'm like ah, i gotta watch all these rats ew it's so gross ew right. i hate rats <laughs> so oh, <man. laughs> that was the only hard part for me but i mean it's not that uncomfortable feeling is good that's what you want in a scary creepy movie is you want to feel kind of uncomfortable and kind of uh grossed out like that's part of the experience so mm-hmm. i guess i shouldn't want to fast forward but i did i'm like ah go away the rats are so gross um since we're talking about dracula which i feel like it's a very well-known story uh-huh. do you, is it okay to like go into a little bit of spoilers i have a couple questions yeah. about the ending for you and just because I, like I said, I have not read the Dracula book. I have seen the Francis Ford Coppola movie, which um, I don't know how faithful that is. And I have also seen a stage production of Dracula. Mm -hmm. And now I've seen this also. Um, And I was wondering, because from what I remember from, from that stage show and also from the other movie is that at the end, uh, the movie, they kind of ends with people sort of like kind of banding together and defeating Dracula, right? Like, jonathan and and dr van helsing and whatever 
Uh, and this really kind of ends in a in a bit of a different way, right? Is that closer or, or further away from the novel in, in your memory? The book ends, see, there's in the book, there is a couple characters that aren't in this movie. Uh, there's a, a woman named Mina and then a man named Quincy. Basically, they were able to uh, use uh, this, they're able to, make dracula crumble to dust and then mina is kind of freed from being a vampire and uh and then uh <clears throat> and then this character quincy dies and there's a uh there's a jonathan harker leaves there's a note from him uh that seven years after the uh the events of the novel detailing uh his life with mina and there so basically like he ends up getting he ends up marrying mina yeah and, okay. which i'm which i'm pretty sure because i i i remember reading this somewhere that mina the the mina character in the novel is basically the lucy character in in the herzog movie he just exchanged the names uh Lucy, well, Lucy is, is in the is also in the uh, in the novel, and right, right. So in the novel, there's two women, and he kind of like merged them together, yeah. like in and decided to give her the the name Lucy instead of Mina. But Mina is kind of like the woman that Jonathan is in love with in the novel, right? And they end up together. Yes, uh, Mina is Jonathan's fiance, right? And in which there. in the movie is Lucy right yeah exactly right and right. and so lucy is because the book is done by epistle it's done by letters mm -hmm. and uh the uh and lucy is like friends with mina and uh so they and like i said there's this uh uh there's uh, lucy is engaged to this guy named arthur mm -hmm. uh and uh so Anyway, so there's more characters in the book, but basically uh, they end up, uh, Mina kind of ends up defeating Mina and Quincy and uh, Van Helsing. All these characters end up basically defeating Dracula. And, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and the movie, it, it, it almost kind of like takes this sort of, I guess it's a pretty happy or successful ending for the characters in the novel. And I feel like this movie gives it a much darker yeah. ending, right? Um, because it is like, basically Lucy sacrifices herself in order to defeat uh, Dracula. And once she's done that, um, Jonathan basically continues on as a vampire and not as a human, right? That's what I... Well, he basically becomes Dracula. You see him uh get the, he gets the teeth he gets the and mm -hmm, then he mm -hmm. accuses van helsing of murdering dracula and sends yeah. The, the yeah the cops after after him and uh, tries to get him in prison and yeah yeah and he goes on i'm not entirely sure why he is able to go out in the sun at the end when dracula wasn't maybe because he's a newer vampire i'm not really sure what was going on there but he That's definitely, true. the implication is that uh, that he has taken over the mantle, right? And despite all of the sacrifice, um, sort of the darkness of the vampire lives on. Um, 
mm-hmm. is how I read it, which I think, I guess it does go pretty, uh, seems of a, of a piece with kind of the Werner Herzog type of worldview, I guess, which is pretty mm-hmm. dark in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. I guess this is a good way to talk a little bit about him and our, whether or not we're familiar with his work. As far as I know, he is part of a group of filmmakers that are described as the new German cinema. Basically, around the 70s, a group of uh, directors, um, which included Werner Herzog, but also Fassbender and uh, Wim Wenders, who is still working today also, Mm -hmm. um, who were kind of trying to do a new kind of movie that was not so, um, I guess a lot of them felt like Germany as a whole was a little bit in denial about the darkness that had happened during World War II and all that it implied about the nature of humanity. And German cinema was kind of trying to be uh, peppy and, you know, look at different other stuff. And, And these people were really kind of saying, no, we should like, you know, we have to unpack this sort of like darkness and this mm. sort of stuff that has happened in our country and that we don't want to look at, but we have to. Um, so I think Werner Herzog in particular is really interested in in looking at like, you know, making movies about people going insane and people like giving now over to like nature and the idea that, that humans and kindness is in defiance to like the wild order of nature, right? Um, and I think this movie kind of fits into that. I don't know how familiar you are with Werner Herzog. Do you have? Yeah, thoughts? I'm more familiar with his documentaries uh, mm. than I don't think I've actually seen any other of his fiction on all fictional films. Uh, but I, you know, really, Grizzly Man is really good. Uh, Low right. and Behold. Uh, I like encounters at the end of the world i like cave of forgotten dreams those documentaries Mm because he's got such a great voice (laughs) well yeah so yeah definitely one of the famous documentary narrators of all time Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. um uh yeah so i i actually don't know if i've seen any other of his uh if his narrative uh, films. Yeah, I guess Nosferatu is 1979, so that's pretty early in his career, I would say. Um, definitely in the 70s, he was he was really into, from what I've seen, which is also not that much, I have to admit, but he was really into this sort of like uh, creepiness and darkness and, and looking at these crazy humans going wild. And the actor Klaus Kinski, who plays Dracula, he was a, a collaborator of him in a lot of movies and he usually plays these sort of like really like deranged men who go crazy or like are villains or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like in the documentary, the documentaries is really more like in the two thousands and later, what do you have talked about? Mm-hmm. And I guess by then he was into some other stuff. Although I do think that in Grizzly Man, for example, uh, you do see this sort of like, um, these thoughts about like the difference between the, the wild world that cannot be dominated and, and humans desire to like think that nature is like humanity, you know, like mm-hmm. in the way the guy kind of like wants to think of the bears of his, as his friends and people that are just like him and, you know, but it ends up ending in tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's true. Uh, I can't really think of that many documentarians that also have uh, the, also have the fictional uh, stories. And also he's does some acting too, doesn't he? Right. He's been in a couple of movies. He's been in uh, Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise Mm -hmm. lately. And he's also going to be in the Mandalorian for Disney plus. Oh yes. That's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's in the trailer. Um, so yeah i forgot that uh yeah so uh it's 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 really it's really interesting i can't think of any other person that has that kind of career uh i would say the the first thing i think of of a director who does fiction and also documentary would be spike lee who's done he does a lot of fiction mostly but he's done a couple of very uh you know well-known documentaries as well um, especially for television. Mm. We did that uh, Hurricane Katrina documentary, which was a big deal when it came out. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, so uh, that's definitely where I'm most comfortable. And, and re- fair, I think the last thing I saw of his was uh, the, uh, uh, the Lo and Behold. Yeah, right, Lo and, Lo and Behold. Behold. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I thought, and that is really entertaining, interesting. Uh, yeah, lo and behold, uh, reveries uh, of the connected world and all about the, it's basically all about the internet. Uh, and that was 2016. Uh, and it's, it's a, it, it's, it's a, you know, interesting, fun little documentary. Cool. So that'd be the last so- one I saw. But, but I, I just think if you're looking for something that's got good atmosphere, that's a, a, a creepy uh, kind of classic, uh, when it, it feels like one of the Universal Monster movies, if you're looking mm-hmm. for something like that, uh, then I think this would be a fun choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, we should also say there's a whole section in Criterion Channel right now called Directed by Werner Herzog. So there's a lot of his movies that are up there, um, a lot of which I haven't seen yet. So, um, but yeah, but if you if start with Nosferatu and for you, Rachel, if you like Nosferatu, maybe you want to give something else a try. Mm. Um, I think, um, let me see what's up there. Um, Fitzcarraldo is I think might be a, a fun movie uh, that you would like it's about this guy who's trying to get this boat um, to build an opera house in, in the Amazon mm. it's, a, it's a pretty cool movie um, but anyway how about we do a little bit talk about our usual questions the first one being mm-hmm. what do you think makes this a criterion film mm, yeah I I mean I just think it is beautifully made uh and uh and it's a really solid example of the genre that it's trying to be in so if i was criterion i'd want our my collection or my channel to be have some good example of every single genre and Mm. i think if you were looking for a good example of this then this is of this would be a good choice so that's kind of how i think of it uh and uh, so yeah i can see why it's a criterion yeah yeah that that that's a really interesting point i was gonna say just i i feel like i always uh, not always but a lot of the times i just go back to like um 
who the director is just because I feel like Criterion a lot of the time has this sort of very a tour theory sort of way of looking at things. I think once they they decide or, you know, mm, when a yeah. director is important, when a director is someone that, you know, is important to history or to art, they, you know, all their movies are become interesting for Criterion to to look at so uh, there is that but i like what you're saying about like you know the genre aspect of it makes me think of uh last uh episode when we were talking about top hat and how there aren't that many musicals in the criterion collection um Mm -hmm. uh and i guess there aren't that many horror movies either that i can think of i mean yeah i guess this also goes into uh our next question which is where do you think this fits into the a pretentious scale so is this uh you know like mm-hmm. how pretentious is this movie i think for a horror movie quite a bit i don't know if you agree with that no i actually didn't think so i think this is a uh, very approachable i i think you could show this to i, I was actually going to give it a three i i didn't think it was very pretentious at all so a three <laughs> from what what out of 10 out Out of 10 wow okay yeah i mean i think almost anybody it's not at all no i think almost anybody could watch this movie and uh and enjoy it (laughs) if you uh yeah i didn't i didn't think it was very pretentious yeah i would agree that it's not super pretentious but i i would probably go a little higher than a three if if we're talking about 10 out of 10 scale Uh I think maybe I'll go up to like a six or so. I think it's pretty approachable. I think it's, it's like you say, it can be easily watched and enjoyed by a lot of people. You don't have to have like an extensive knowledge of cinema or whatever in order to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that he is trying to do some artsy stuff with it though. Um, it's not just a straightforward, you know, down the middle uh, horror movie that is just about like the thrills. I think that he is trying to do uh, some thematic stuff, like you know the beginning with all the mummies, and then the there's a lot of slow motion of the of the bats flying in the air and the atmospheric mm-hmm. music. I think it all kind of gives it a little bit of a you know that little extra thing that makes it feel like a little serious like well little, where you know? i i saw that most actually though was is with sort of the the attempt to make lucy an object of sensuality in the film i think that that's uh maybe where it gets a little bit uh i don't know gets a little little pretentious but uh the uh some of those scenes maybe more but uh but yeah i and maybe just too many scenes with rats. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah. You know, you, you can only be so pretentious with a rat. Yeah. Uh, so no, that's an interesting yeah. question. I now, I thought it was it was pretty uh, classic. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Now I just want to think of what are the most pretentious rats in cinema. That's an interesting. <laughs> Probably Ratatouille, the most Ratatouille is a pretty pretentious. Remy is a pretentious rat. Let's say, let's just we have to say it. (laughs) Maybe uh, um, uh, Radigan. (laughs) Yeah, Radigan's pretty pretentious. But Remy, with all that fancy food, come on, give me a break. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's 
gotta be him uh but i mean i normally avoid any uh movies with rats because uh, it's disgusting uh but i can think of uh and the only other one i can think of is uh is well the secret of nim is full of rats yeah. <laughs> the rats of nim okay i think we're i think we have a, a spin-off podcast in the making here <laughs> rat talk or something like that also uh in i think it's last crusade there's the whole all the rats mm-hmm. and uh, i would much prefer snakes unlike indie than rats <laughs> snakes right. way better than rats <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think my wife will agree with you um anyway yeah um okay is that all do we have any final thoughts about nosferatu no, I, it was a lot of fun. I really had a good time watching it to me. I'm glad to hear that since this was, after all, my pick. But mm-hmm. next episode will be your pick. So why don't you tell us a little bit of what you're thinking? We are going to be talking about the 1945 film uh, Blythe Spirits. This is based on the play, uh, the which I actually was one of the first plays that I ever saw with my dad. We went to the uh utah shakespeare festival when i was young and we saw black spirit and and uh, uh the this version is directed by david lean who is such an interesting director he has such an eclectic uh filmography uh with uh things like lawrence of arabia and ridge of the river kwai brief encounter dr Zhivago. Mm-hmm. uh so and then here this blithe spirit so there's a really a really interesting director and uh and this movie i actually i talked about it a couple episodes ago because i saw it and i thought it was really funny and uh it's uh stars rex harrison and uh he basically is this writer and uh he uh he ends up he, he has that like a seance at his house to try to connect with the what he's writing about and uh and he ends up it's like ends up conjuring i guess the the spirit of his dead wife uh who ends up kind of haunting the house and doesn't get along with his new wife or is very critical so he's sort of fighting the the spirit of his the spirit wife and the real wife and i i thought it was very funny and uh, so i'll be curious to see what you think great so the halloween spirit continues even though in a comedy form but still right. with ghosts and, and spirits so yeah so i'm really looking forward to it i have never seen it um, but i'm really excited about it because yeah. it sounds like a lot of fun yeah i think you'll enjoy it so there we go that's what we'll talk about next next uh next time that uh it right later in this month so it'll be our first two episodes in the month so very cool yeah very exciting all right um it's time to say goodbye um so let's let uh, people know where they can find us on the internet yes so we have our new uh cry we have our new criterion podcast uh itunes feed which we're so excited about and (laughs) uh and uh so make sure you go on there and follow us and leave us your ratings and reviews on itunes 
uh, and uh, because we just got got approved this last month, so we're we're really uh, looking forward to uh, really building up uh, the podcast. We kind of uh, was sort of our test run on Rachel's reviews, and now it's its own thing. So it's exciting. We also have our Twitter account, which is Criterion Pod. Uh, so make sure you're following us on there and we'll try to keep it kind of updated uh, on our thoughts about maybe what else we're watching or some trivia about the, the upcoming film, that kind of thing. Uh, we uh, we're excited to have that grow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can uh, find me. So please follow us at Criterion Project, but also you can find me if you want to follow me personally on Twitter at uh, Coco Hits New York. That's right. And you can follow me at Rachel underscore reviews uh, on Twitter and uh, Rachel's underscore reviews on, uh, on uh, Rachel's underscore reviews on uh, Instagram. So you can check that out. Great. Before we go, I, I just found a really funny tidbit about Werner Herzog. So as a goodbye, uh-huh. let me tell you about this yes. time where uh, there was a magazine article or something like that where famous people were asked who their favorite Muppet is. So Ryan Reynolds said his favorite is Gonzo, and then Tom Cruise says his favorite is Kermit, and then they asked Werner Herzog, and he responded, I do not know Jim Henson, and I do not know the Muppets. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, he's a character. Anyway, see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye.